we're going to go through the book of Revelation and just do a discussion style. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That's, That's hitting the ground running. You're listening to Reason Together, the podcast for Christians who think about stuff. I'm your host, Daniel Fox, here as always with my great friend Thomas Balsamo. How are you this morning? Hey, fine. Good morning. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Excited about this uh, episode, as I often am. Uh, But before we we go too much further, uh, we want to say thank you. Yes, our patrons. You guys are amazing. Thank you very much for your support of this podcast uh, with helping us to pay our editors and uh, all that comes along with running a podcast. We appreciate your generosity and your thoughtfulness. And just for all the community discussion that you bring into the community message board on Patreon, uh, we thank you so much for your participation in that. If you are listening and you're not a, a patron supporter of this podcast, you can become one at patreon.com slash reason together uh, and join up there and pick one of the various tier levels uh, of support. And uh, one of our patrons just recently upgraded <clears throat> Uh, to an elite level patron. Really? Yes. You want to know who that is? I do. That is David. David. Thank you. Congratulations to David. You are now part of the elite, right? You can, you can lift your nose a little higher today (laughs) than, uh, than before because you're an elite patron of reason together. Thank you, David, for that. And thank you to all of our patrons. Yep. And David, enjoy the after show. Mm-hmm. from here on out and now you've got a new cache of of shows to uh, reach back and begin binge listening to um i'm excited about this episode because um we are interviewing a personal friend uh, in the ministry and we recently had a conversation and i just i resonated with it and i th- thought this is fantastic we need to uh we need to interview him Stephen Minion has now for about five years been the assistant to Pastor Jim Davidson at Maranatha Baptist Church in Shelby, North Carolina. And part of his important role there at the church is working with the youth. And as we were talking about uh, that uh, aspect of his ministry, he uh, brought up something that he is doing that I'm excited about. It's very similar, I feel like, to what we're doing here with this podcast, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But Stephen, uh, welcome aboard. Great to have you today. Thank you. It's my privilege to be talking with you all today. Welcome. Now, I think we met once, didn't we, Stephen, you and I? We did. We met at a wedding. Yes. I think that okay. was my brother-in-law Matthew's wedding. Yes. I remember right. Mm-hmm. So uh, so, I, you, so, you and I don't go back quite as far as, as you and Pastor Fox, but we did meet once, I think. So, <laughs> excellent. Good yes. to have you. Good. Well, here's what excited me about this. Um is that you got to talk to somebody different than Tom for once. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like... <laughs> I was so relieved. I, I tried to see if I could interview only him without you on the podcast. But I thought, nah, that might be kind of. Open. I see. I see what's going on here. So, uh, Tom, you're busy, aren't you? Don't 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 you want to? Oh, you could. You still have time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, this this will be great. Um, obviously, Tom and I have talked a number of times about uh, what we're doing here on the podcast in exemplifying for people. Uh, the kind of friendship that you can have in which um, someone is free to ask a question without being uh, judged a heretic and, uh, and to ask those questions that seem 
uh, I don't know if edgy is the word, but that seem unorthodox at times. Sure. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and you feel like you're questioning the norm or you feel like you're questioning tradition. And yet you genuinely have a question. Um, when yeah. we started, my target audience was those people who had heard shallow answers over the years to, mm-hmm. you know, to some good questions or whatever. And, and they were disenchanted by those shallow answers. And so they just begin to chuck everything and uh, shift to the left. And I thought, whoa, 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 wait, let's talk. Let's, let's think through this. Um, mm-hmm. So as we were talking, Stephen, this, the phrase that sticks out in my mind that you said, and I want you to explain this in a minute, um, what, uh, what I'm talking about and what you do there in, in the group, as you said, you were creating space for them to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe describe um, the youth that you work with and as far as their, their families and uh, how they're connected with, with you know, Bible training and, and uh, just, just kind of your thought there and what you've run into with that. Sure. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, we have a group of probably 15, 18 young people at Maranatha and our situation, we're about 15 minutes away from Ambassador Baptist College mm-hmm. in Lattimore. And I, I ran the numbers, about half of our youth group either has a parent who works at the college or has a sibling who currently attends the college. Okay. And so there's a lot of, a lot of strong ties there. And a lot of, a lot of the kids um, will, will listen in the chapel for the Bible class mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, or, or attend the, the events and things. So there's a lot of great influence there, a lot of Bible knowledge. Mm-hmm. And with that comes uh, a secondary set of standards. Mm-hmm that that the college has to have for a handbook. Sure. And so that kind of rubs off on the youth group at church. You know, so there's just this 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 expectation uh not just in youth group at church, but in families at home and in in the college atmosphere that um that there's there's family standards, there's church standards, and then there's this another set of standards that I don't think most church youth groups would would have to wrestle with. Um, Mm -hmm. but all that, all that, all that to say is there's, there's a lot of Bible knowledge and a lot of, a lot of structure. And I feel that to question that, uh, is even, is even maybe more difficult Ah, than in a regular setting to say, what about this? Right. People will just kind of look at you. You should have that figured out already. Right. So you're saying there's a, and there's a, uh, at least a perceived depth of knowledge there that they would know mm-hmm. more than maybe the average teenager. So they would, ha- they would already have more things answered. I think so. They're, or they're expected to have expected. more things answered. Yes. Right. 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 So yeah, go ahead. I, Tom. I, well, I was just going to say, <clears throat> thinking back of my own Bible college experience. Um, and, and of course not every Bible college is, is created equal. Um, I know for, for us where it was the the Bible the, the Bible college handbook essentially became sort of the standard of living for yeah. everyone, uh, whether you okay. were in the Bible college or not, even though they admitted that many of the, the, the rules in the handbook were extra biblical rules that shouldn't be expected outside of normal life <clears throat> um, or outside of college life. And, and it became in many ways sort of an unspoken set of rules. Um, I remember, for instance, wearing a dark blue button down shirt one time. Oh. Uh, yeah, I know how, how horrible. Um, and I remember somebody jokingly kind of snarkily sort of said, ah, look at you, you know, Mr. Contemporary over here, you know? And I'm now I realized he was sort of half joking, but he kind of wasn't. Um, and, and it, it almost became dangerous 
to sort of question the college rules because they became very mm -hmm. associated with Bible standards, even though they were not identical. Um, would you say that, that that exists at other colleges too, in your experience? I think it can. Um, I, even, even when I was going through school, I felt that the distinction was carefully kept that these are rules that an institution has to make. Mm -hmm. uh, they have to draw a line somewhere. Sure. And so they said, this is the line we've drawn, yeah. but this is not yeah. the only line that would be biblical or acceptable. And I felt that distinction was carefully yeah, kept in my time at school. Yeah, um, good. And, st and still is. Yeah, because you can't have anarchy. I, to right. I totally understand the concept of uh, an institutional standard. And that's it's mm -hmm. so true. You have to draw the line somewhere and set an example for the students. Um, and it's different in, in your scenario, uh, Stevens, than it was in Tom's because Tom's uh, college was directly connected to a single local church. And so there was uh, mm -hmm. there was a very obviously very strong and direct um, uh, they're tied at the hip. But um, mm -hmm. but to go on with what you're talking about with the young people, so it's it's one where they would expect, or people could expect them to say, oh well, you know, they're uh, you know their parents are in this Bible college, they're a good Christian family, they would know these things, they would have they would have more answers, and yet uh, you felt the need to uh, put a box in the room, I guess, to allow them to ask questions. Is that right? Yes. To kind of get you to where I, I came up with the idea mm -hmm. was uh, a couple of years ago, um, I was kind of dissatisfied with where we were at with the youth group. Mm -hmm. um, just, you know, we, I teach studies, we go through books of the Bible, and I teach Sunday morning and Sunday school and then Wednesday evening with mm -hmm. them. Um, so I'm with them twice. And I just kind of, kind of got in this doldrums. Uh, I don't know if you ever get there uh, when you're preaching, but I thought, what can we do to, to change this up? I just feel like the kids come in, they sit, I teach, I preach, and they get up and they leave, and that's it. Mm -hmm. And um, it I was visiting my, my brother-in-law, Tim Brubaker, and he's either 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy. He's a patron of the show. I think he's 1 Timothy. And he was a youth pastor at the time. And uh, I sat in on a Sunday school and we were visiting him. And I thought, this is what I'm missing. Hmm. It's just this great discussion time. Um, he, opened up a, he opened up with a, a topic and said, let's, let's talk about this. And just, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And, and really just had this amazing discussion going. And I was sitting there just kind of blown away. This is, this is what I'm looking for. Hmm. Neat. Um, okay. Because I just saw lights, light bulbs coming on in the, in the kids' minds. Um, and just like, wow, they're, they're getting this. Yes. So I, I took that back. This was a, a, uh, two years ago. I brought that back last January and I thought, um, we're going to go through the book of revelation and just do a discussion style. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's, that's hitting the ground running. Would have chosen something different next time. <laughs> Looking so back. One was great. I said, you know, who's involved here? What's happening? What can we learn from it? How can we apply it? And just kind of guide the discussion along. And uh, chapter one was great. Chapter two and three with the local churches, that was great. We got in chapter four. That was pretty good. Talking about God on the throne and mm -hmm. heaven. And we get into chapter five and six and everything after that. I soon realized, <laughs> oh, buddy, <laughs> I, I just have to study it all out. Like you can't just come to the table and say, what does this red horse mean? <laughs> you know, what does it mean to you? <laughs> like, 
Um, I realized that would be quickly unprofitable. We were just pooling ignorance. And uh, so I kind of, I kind of, we kind of morphed back into just, you know, teaching um, Sunday school lesson style. And I would still try to, from time to time, uh, go through the lesson and say, okay, how, how does this apply to our lives? And really try to get them to, to put, connect the, the truth or the principles that I just said to their everyday life. Mm-hmm. And uh, I felt like that was helpful. So we did that. It was almost a year to get through Revelation. And I was turning the corner into this past January. And I thought, okay, what can I do? Um, I'm not a big resolutions guy, but uh, end of December, I think I could have done better this year. How can I make better better next year? And I'm not 100. I don't remember where, like what gave me the idea to do this. I've heard of it in other places, um, others doing it, but... I just put a bin in in the room and I said, put a questions label on it. I said, write any question you want to about church, about life, about God, any question. I was like, I won't even limit it. It doesn't even have to be spiritual questions. It can be anything. Um, just put it in there and uh, we'll, we'll look at it. I won't promise to go through every question mm-hmm. that you put in there. Um, but we've had just really, really good questions um, put in and the last, I would say the last four months, and I don't know if this is directly related. Um, I think some of it is, but we just had a really sweet time uh, as a youth group. Mm. Um, there's just a good atmosphere um, coming in. And I, I, I like to think they're, they're, cor- they're correlated, mm-hmm. um, that it, it kind of helps with that. Yes, um, that they're coming now excited about what you're mm-hmm. going to teach because uh, it may be an answer to the question that they've asked and uh, a question yes. that's being asked amongst them. Yes. I had one girl who said, oh, I was traveling Sunday and I, I was leaving Saturday with my mom. And I said, just watch. Pastor Stevens is going to answer my question tomorrow in Sunday school. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> <laughs> I told him leave it anonymous because... You do or don't? I, I, I do. I okay. say leave, yes. leave it anonymous. I mean, you can put your name on it if you want to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um but I want to give them the option to be able to ask a question without somebody else looking at them and saying, why are you even asking that? Yes, right. right. You know, I, want, right. I want them to be able to do that. And then. Right. That's good. Because there does seem to be, and maybe this is more common amongst young people. And perhaps it's why I had the, the trouble that I did in Bible college is that there tends to be this group think sort of thing that happens uh, in which it starts to feel dangerous to question yes. paradigms. And, 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 and I guess some of that leaves a little bit, the older you get, uh, sometimes not, but, um, but I guess that, that, that kind of helps eliminate that problem, uh, with what you're doing there by, by allowing them to keep it anonymous. They can, they can ask questions that might get other kids to look at them mm-hmm. with a side eye. Um, so I think that's fantastic, but I think it also says something about the young people as well. If they're the kinds of kids that are thinking about questions to ask, I mean, I, I could see this going sideways if you're like, okay, ask anything you want. And then the box is just like empty perpetually. I've had to campaign for it. I said, okay. oh, I'm so disappointed. Yeah. There's no questions today. And then the next time there's two or three. <laughs> yeah, <okay. so. laughs> At least they're thinking. Yeah, At least they're thinking that about you're leading things. them that's, to, that's to do that. Pastor says, um, one of the worst mistakes you'll ever make is thinking that everybody thinks like you think. Um, hmm. And I think um, that what uh, you're, I'm going to ask you in a minute, if you can remember to repeat some of the questions that have been submitted to you. And I know that one, one that you mentioned um, 
to me, as we were talking over dinner, um, was, oh, wow, you know, I, I, I've never thought about that question, you know, and it's, and it's not necessarily that it thought differently than I thought, but just thought something I didn't think. And so to realize, wow, somebody actually sees, uh, that sees that that's interesting, you know, okay, that actually has to be answered. So to me, it's such a neat mm -hmm. opportunity to pry open the mind of someone else and to see what it is that actually troubles them or bothers them. Um, maybe the answer is, is, mm -hmm. is simpler. Maybe it's not, but, uh, anyway, I just think that's neat. Can you give us some examples of what, um, of, of what's been asked? Sure. And I, I've been blown away by some of them <laughs> saying, wow, this is going on in their mind. Yeah. Yep. Um, we've had, we've had, uh, the first one we got, is it wrong to correct your parents when you are right and they are wrong? Hmm. Yeah. And so first we had to establish that they are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All the time. And then we, yeah. And then we have to establish that you have, there's a need to do it, you know? So like, usually I would take a question and I develop a whole Sunday school lesson and discussion out of it. Yeah. Every once in a while, Fantastic. we put two that were related together. Um, but some of the other ones were, um, what do you think about dating as a teen? Uh, what do you think if someone divorces, is it wrong or right to remarry? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, why don't we foot wash in church? I said, I, I wash my feet all the time. Probably not in church. Okay. Do people in heaven remember us on earth? And if so, how can they be happy knowing they left us? Yes, that was the one I remembered you saying. How could they be happy knowing they left me behind or something like that? Right. And and to me, that's just a question that this has been bugging them. Mm. But they've probably not expressed that to anyone else. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't if that was me thinking the question, I know I know myself, my personality, I probably would not have opened up to anybody and asked that question. Um mm -hmm. There's another one. Uh, this one is, uh, why are tattoos wrong? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> So short aside, I thought when I first started doing this pretty early on, I thought all I have to do is work the system. I get a question. I'll submit it to reason together. <laughs> I'll get all the answers. And we'll have our Sunday school lesson. <laughs> That's right. You just have to be a few weeks ahead of it. Yeah. That, yeah. that's funny yeah well we, so, just... there's a there's a, a few other questions <laughs> sure. uh, how do i love my siblings when they're unlovable mm -hmm. uh racism uh what's the meaning of life why do we use the king james version of the bible um what about is suicide okay if it's if you're in a horrible situation mm -hmm. uh, what about abortion is that okay if it's a medical solution mm -hmm. um so just i mean some really big questions that Honestly, you you shouldn't be asking them if you're a good Christian who's toeing the line, and like you already know the answer. But there's been a lot of uh, a lot of nuance in some of these. Yes, and that's that's um, yeah that's important. When we um, what was I gonna say? As far as um, oh, sometimes as adults, I know as a parent. Uh, we can tend to um, even uh, unconsciously uh, expect your child to know what you know mm -hmm. and 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 right. fail to pass on that basic knowledge because For, yeah it's what it is or even know what the other siblings know <laughs> right right yeah you, you, first yeah. one like got it all 
And the you second one, <laughs> the second one, you expected the first one to teach. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so. but that that's good though, because I, I don't think you can have an environment where it's dangerous to ask hard questions and at the same time expect real learning to happen. And, and I think I think what you've created there is an environment where they're comfortable asking questions that maybe in some Christian environments it would be dangerous to show that you're even questioning. Mm. Mm -hmm. Well, and like you said, it's nuanced um, in the sense that we, if we always thunder, abortion is wrong, abortion is wrong, abortion is murder, abortion is murder, but they hear, well, but what if it's a medical necessity? They hear maybe that little caveat. Well, is there an answer to that? Well, sure. You know, I mean, but what is the, maybe adults have heard that answer for for years or or they've already had that, hashed that out in their mind, but all the kid has ever heard is it's always wrong, it's always wrong, it's always wrong. But what about this question? Well, if they go Mm -hmm. to... uh, you know, say a secular university or just have a friend who is, is, you know, of that thinking or whatever, they're going to be hit with these, well, what about this? Well, what about that? And they need to, to, you know, have some exposure to answering that, uh, that mm-hmm. nuance of the issue. Right. I just picked up a book a couple of weeks ago, um, written by the president of the Barna group. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there was a quote I wanted to to read a, a generation of young Christians believes that the churches in which they were raised are not safe and hospitable places to express doubts. Whoa. And many feel that they have been offered slick or half-baked answers to their thorny, honest questions. Mm. Wow. And wow, the point so of his true. book or the subtitle is why Christians are leaving or why young Christians are leaving church. And that's by George Barna. Uh, it's David Kinneman. Oh, David, David Kinnaman. Kinnaman. Um, he's the president of the Barna Group. At least that's what the, the books the book says. Okay, <laughs> you lost, lost me, me by David Kinnaman. I have not read past the first chapter. Yeah, um, but I just read that quote and I thought that's that's kind of what because I've I've thought about those who have kind of who have graduated and, and moved on, and my hypothesis is those who don't maintain course. Mm-hmm. Um. We've mistaken compliance for acceptance. Yeah. They've gone along with it. Yes. And right. they've accepted it, mm-hmm. at least on the surface, but it hasn't become them. Mm-hmm. And I just hope the ability for them to say, hey, what about this question or this, this idea will help them to wrestle with it on a deeper level. That's good. Uh, recently, I was thinking about you know the ministry uh, or the... Um, the outreach of the church moving forward. And it seems like, um, at least from my perception, that at least some uh, attempt to garner new visitors, you know, new people to the church is, and I'm speaking somewhat broadly, I'm not talking just about our church, but I'm saying, you know, the desire is to say, hey, you'd enjoy it um, at our church. We're friendly. Um you know, come and come and join us. We're pretty cool, right? You know, as you get broader, that's the whole the whole relevance. Um, uh, you know, campaign is that you know we're one of you. We're cool. You'd like us. You'd enjoy yourself. You'd feel comfortable, and we, you know, whatever. Um, and we can help you. I think moving forward into this next generation, a large part of the impact and of the outreach of the church is its ability to solve problems. Um, in other words, okay, you've got a porn addiction, we can help with that. Mm-hmm. Okay, your, your marriage is struggling, we can help with that. Mm-hmm. And so finally, people are saying, you know, I know I'm, 
I know I'm trapped in this. I know I've got this problem. These people mm -hmm. seem to be confident of an answer. I'll give them a try. Not because uh, I, I know that when I walk in the doors, I'll look like one of them or that I've ever done this before, but I need what they, they think they've, they've got. Um, mm -hmm. and, and to me, that goes in with what you're saying is that as, moving forward, if we can be the people that provide answers, that have a, that have a place where it's okay if you express doubt because we're going to mm -hmm. teach you through that. We're going to build you. We, we want you to know, not because... Um, you know, we're not going to give you, like you said, a half-baked answer to a thorny question. We're going to really deal with what, what's on your heart and mind, and we're going to give you a substantive biblical answer. Um, and uh, there, there are answers to life, and when we really uh, can do that. So I think that'll be important moving forward. Yes. People see the value of church, or they see the value they get out of church. It's a mm. terribly person-centric <laughs> <laughs> way to look at it, but if yeah. they see no value, mm -hmm. then why right. are we doing this other than there's this religious duty I have. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so yeah. I have a question. Um, have we've talked before on the podcast about what constitutes a dumb question. Um, <laughs> and, and I guess the conclusion we've come few. to, yeah, there, there is such thing as a dumb question. You know, you've heard the saying, there's no, no such thing as a dumb question. Well, there certainly is such thing as a, a dumb question. Uh, and to us, that's a question in which, learning is not the goal of the question. Mm -hmm. So someone asks a question either to be antagonistic or to be funny or, or for some other, you know, light and transient reason, but learning is not why they ask the question. Have you had much trouble with dumb questions? <laughs> I haven't. Um, I've had two that were put in that were dumb questions. And one of them I read it to everybody. Like I pulled it out of the bin that I think that morning I saw it in there. I was like, Oh, let me read this. And so I pulled it out and I just read it to everybody and I kind of made fun of it. <laughs> right, right. But one more time that same day, somebody else put another dumb question in and uh, it hasn't happened since. Good. <laughs> so I have wondered the motive behind some questions. Okay. And the first couple of weeks I took a little bit of time developing and I, like why? Why do you, what? What's the heart of this person asking this question? Because hmm. we can ask the same question with different motives. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Even people in the Bible, the Pharisees, you can see they they were tempting Christ, but they asked him a decent question. Um, so I said, "What do you think the heart behind this is?" And you can't you can't know it. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, yeah. It, it, is it ever sticky? Because um, I know it seems sometimes. Um, Sometimes I may I, I'm I'm aware of maybe when someone's trying to pit me against someone else, um, <laughs> and particularly you, you have to be careful when they're trying to pit you against someone who is their or your authority. For instance, in an assistant pastor role, um, you know if you're aware that you you see differently on a on a topic than than the senior pastor, well, you're an extension of him. Mm -hmm. So you have to be very careful in how you might verbalize. Uh, a disagreement like that, or I got what, what I'm picturing in your scenario is to say you've got kids and they know their parents believe this way and they want to hear you say it different. They want to hear you prove their mm. parents wrong. Um, mm -hmm. That seems like that would, uh, have you ever been aware of that? Like, oh, I know what their parents say about this and or not really discerned that motive. I could, I could kind of see it in the way that a couple questions were shaded. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there, there were a couple questions that I've, I've run by pastor. Um, mm, I, I kind of knew where he was with it, but I just kind of told him what I was thinking about it. 
um, just to good kind of get more perspective and you know on the same page. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we're we're blessed with a lot of good families and good parents that um, I haven't really sensed much differences. Everybody wants to be biblical. That's what yeah. I'm sensing. Yeah, the heart so there's of not a tremendous extremism where somebody's just giving some half cocked responses for sure. something yeah. to their kids. There was one question. We came down to the end of it, and I and I told him there are good people who disagree on this. Uh, this is what I believe about it. And one of the kids raises his hand and says. Uh, I believe a different way about it. Hmm. And I said, I'm not going to hammer you for that because I know others who are good people who, who came to his conclusion Mm -hmm. and they have Hmm. some biblical support for it. I don't, I don't think it's the best biblical support, but um, Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm not going to hammer you for it. But Mm -hmm. I I think that his willingness to do that is sort of a testament to the environment you created. Mm -hmm. I hope so. That he's willing to, to at least stand Mm -hmm. up and, and differ without the fear of, you know, social repercussions or blackballing or something like that. So I, right. I think that's a good thing that he felt he could do that. We need more of that in church, I think. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Where there's biblical standards or biblical lines that people aren't passed, but there's still some disagreement and they learn how to do that mm. biblically. Right. Yes. I, told, I told the kids, I said, you know, we might disagree, but don't be disagreeable. Yes. Like ask good. honest questions. And I'll take them as honest and we'll try to deal with them biblically yeah. and we'll have the right attitude in doing it. Yeah, good. Good. And and part of that in, in the church culture is understanding, uh, and maybe we talked about this, but jurisdictions, um, is that, you know, you have overlap in, in God-ordained institutions within the church. And so you can teach a principle or you can exemplify something, um, but you can't always set the standard to the T for their home because that's mm-hmm. their decision. You know, that's, mm-hmm. uh, you're not, you're not the man of that home. You're the shepherd of the flock. Yeah. And, and, uh, there's areas where you have to be careful there. I, yeah, Tom. One question. Have you ever had a question that you had to deal with that you were scared to deal with? Like, like you were maybe <laughs> afraid of the, the repercussions, like, or maybe yeah, you right. felt like your maybe you felt like your defense of it wouldn't be convincing enough. You, you ever feel like that? Yes. There was one question in particular that I I kept pushing off because I, <laughs> I didn't want to deal with it. Um, <laughs> yes. I knew it was going to be a sticky question. And so I spent a lot of time studying for it. I read one or two books on the topic just to help me. So it's been, this has been excellent for me to, yes. to, to delve deeper into why do I really believe this? And and come out with a biblical foundation. Was was your mind ever changed on anything as a result? I think it's been I think it's been firmed up and maybe mm-hmm. developed a little farther. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. But I haven't there there hasn't been any switches where like I thought this was okay and now it's wrong or, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. So I- I would just encourage our listeners here that this is part of the process. Um, you know, when you open up to questions and you're willing to entertain questions, you will be challenged and you won't be prepared for every question. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, you, it, it, it makes you dive in. It makes you study. It makes you ask questions that you'd really rather not deal with. In your own mind, you'd like to just sort of say, well, it's good. My answer is good enough for me. I'm confident with it. But to convince someone else, you're going to have to dig deeper. And you may have to at times admit, you know, at that point, I don't think I have any more justification or 
um, or argumentation for you. Uh, this is, you know, at this point it is good enough for me and here's why. Um, but yeah, it really makes you wrestle with it and sharper and deeper and, uh, and more balanced because of it. Yeah. Uh, you understand the depth and the nuance of the issue. And thus I think you're, sense of judgment is affected by, oh, you know, this isn't just as cut and dried as I thought. Yeah. Cause I, I know for me personally, there have been issues where they used to be black and white to me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. My answer was a not B and, and it was as black and white as could be. There was no room for B at all. And being forced to have to study the question and answer it, you kind of come to the conclusion that, okay, I can understand B and, and maybe it isn't quite as black and white and I can give room for B uh, as well. Um, have you had instances like that where maybe you haven't changed your mind, but at least you've come to the conclusion that, you know, this isn't as black and white as originally thought? Yes, I have. <clears throat> and one of them was, uh, I think the last episode um, yeah. was the beef with uh, tattoos. Yeah. And that, that was one question that we had dealt with about a month ago. Mm. And I mean, I don't like needles. <laughs> And I, I just don't, the idea of it at all, it, I am not interested ever in it. Why would you volunteer for that, right? <laughs> and so, you know, I'm, I'm doing some um, internet searching, just find why do people get tattoos, you know, and trying to, trying to find the other people's perspective on it mm -hmm. because I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not f super familiar with it. And after studying it, the question was asked, what's wrong with tattoos? And, and I'm like, uh, I, listened to, I listened to that episode, and Tom, I'm with you on the Leviticus verse. We can't, we can't justifiably yeah. apply that. Yeah. Um, Be great if so, we could, but... Uh... <laughs> right, but that's, that's the only verse I've ever heard on don't get a tattoo because it's in the Bible. Right. And I thought, <laughs> well, let, let's flip it around. Nobody's born with a tattoo, so there's, he has to have a reason to go and get one. Yes, right. Mm -hmm. And so I gave him nine questions. Uh, what motive? Is it a fruit of the spirit? Is it drawn focus? Do I want this in 10 years? Is this going to help me to God? Can I give thanks to God? Just questions that, you know, am I fully persuaded this is okay to do? Mm -hmm. um, and I, I gave that to someone, um, one, of the, one of the teens in class. So, so if we answer yes, or if we answer all these questions correctly, can I go get a tattoo? <laughs> <laughs> this is your application. Wow. Yes. And I said, yes, if you can answer all these questions and you believe that, then go yeah. for it. And in your heart, you're wanting to say, no, no, of course you can't. <laughs> Something I, I almost said during that, during that lesson, I said, if you answer all these questions, like nobody's going to get the tattoo in my mind. Like nobody, nobody could justify all, all of these. Be very difficult. Say, this to. is a good spiritual thing for me to do. Um, right, right. But at the same time, I, I told I told somebody who who asked me that question, that teen, and I said this this might get me in trouble in some places, but I don't think it's a sin to get a tattoo. Just getting a tattoo, but you can sin in getting a tattoo. That's a good mm -hmm. way to say it. It's a good way to say and it. So so and that that was one instance where I thought uh, it's black and white. You know, never know not a. But getting into it, I realized the Bible doesn't say that. Mm -hmm. So I, I would be hurting people to say, this is what the Bible says when the Bible doesn't say that. So I want to go as far as the Bible does and mm -hmm. then mm -hmm. let, let people apply it. Amen. Yeah. 
Let me cut in here and add a little bit of um, feedback that we got on that episode from uh, one of our patrons, Michael. And uh, Michael added a comment. I won't read the whole thing, but he brings up the passage um, that I thought, well, that could that should enter into the conversation where um, is in Corinthians, where he says, um, you're bought with a price. Uh, you know, you're not your own. Um, you're bought with a price. And then I, he didn't mention this, but I carried it further. You know, the passage goes on to say, therefore, glorify God in your body, which should have some bearing on the discussion. Uh, I think the other the point that Michael was trying to make as he went on was that was the standard that the world holds for Christians. And so I think I'm maybe reading into his response here somewhat, but to say that the world uh, exp- the world understands the culture of tattoos and would hold Christians to a higher standard. And, um, and so he's saying we need to, uh, I guess, be, we need to hold uh, a higher standard for ourselves or something like that. Um, he brings up Jonah. Um, he says, uh, I think of Jonah on the boat where he told the crew that he was a Hebrew and that he feared the Lord he said, my question for him would have been, where was your fear of God when you boarded our ship <laughs> to disobey him and flee from him? Uh, even though the world hates us, they still expect us to behave as Christians ought. Um, so Michael, thank you for the feedback yeah. on that, my, uh, Tom. I was just going to say about the feedback. I, I still am like, you know, I wonder where, where many Christians are, are spending their time when they're, when they're in the world, because uh, if, if you actually spend any time in the world, they don't care if a Christian has a tattoo. It depends on the tattoo. <laughs> you know what I mean? People, the, the culture, I'm telling you, the culture is not the same as what it used to be. Um, mm. if, if they see a Christian with the tattoo, that means nothing to them. They don't care. They see nothing wrong with tattoos, whether you're Christian or not. So I'm not, I don't understand where this, they're holding Christians to a standard of not getting tattoos. I don't see that. Yeah. Now, and that may- now, if you're a Christian, you have some tattoo of like, you know, some Hellraiser thing, you know, they're, they're like, uh, okay, that, that seems odd. You're a Christian. Why would you have a tattoo like that? But mm-hmm. it's, it's not uncommon for professing Christians today to get tattoos of Bible verses on them. I see them all the time. Mm-hmm. The people I work with, the people I've trained with at the gym and so on. 20 years ago, this would have been a different conversation Correct. as far as what the culture saw it. And it, it did, yeah, it did invade uh, the Christian space. Um, I yeah. remember, I it was a decade ago, maybe, I don't know, I'm kind of guessing, when my wife said, look at that. And on a magazine, a model had a tattoo. And that was, that was an odd thing. Like, it was the first time we'd ever seen you know, on the front of a, you know, whatever, we're not, I'm not impugning Kohl's, but let's just say yeah. a Kohl's, you know, advertisement. And here's this model, you know, in, in some clothing and you saw a tattoo, like, whoa, you don't usually <laughs> see that, but it was starting to invade the, right. the space of normalcy. Right. Um, and of course, and I'm sure there's some, you know, some, uh, um, I don't know if they're emergent, you know, pastors or whatever, you know, covered with, I think of one that was, you know, covered with tattoos. So that certainly invaded the space. I, in doing some thinking about that issue, um, after our last episode, a couple things um, hit me, or, or I guess I developed in this this thought. As we talk about, uh, we got two minutes, okay, and then we got to go. All right, real quick, we talk about the idea of association uh, sometimes, and uh, we say, well, that's you know, th- there's an association there, and I think that was what was clarified in my mind is that association. Uh, can go two different ways. Uh, but the one that is especially important is the association of origin. And what I mean by that is that, and this may be lead into something we'll deal with uh, in another episode, but uh, it's not just do unsaved people do this, 
but did this originate in the unsaved mind? In other words, kind of going back to your question, Stephen, we weren't born with tattoos. So what was the original purpose for going out and getting a tattoo? And in my mind, it's, it was rooted in paganism. Uh, that may seem like a harsh, strong statement. Whether the culture accepts that or realizes that doesn't really uh, affect uh, where it actually started and what was the purpose of going to get one. And so I think that's not, that's an important consideration in the in this debate is where did this come from? Why, why would somebody even mark their body in the first place? Yep. We got a minute. Uh, Tom's got us on a timer. <laughs> no, not really. The uh, software has got us on a timer this time. And so we have to be very punctual. And uh, maybe our listeners say, yeah, I'm not liking this whole punctuality thing with the podcast. You know, when it's happening organically, you just got to keep talking. But anyway, we're going to have to call it there, folks. We uh, appreciate Stephen for coming on the podcast. We're going to take yes, him over into the after much. show now and we're going to torture him some more. Um, but uh, thank you for being with us on this episode, Stephen. And thank you, listeners. We are encouraging balance, developing perspective and connecting faith to practice. This is Reason Together. Reason Together.